Está claro que tomamos a mitad de temporada y quién sabe un poco más pasada la mitad de la temporada y todavía esto, terminar de conformar un, un plantel de esta naturaleza nos va a llevar un tiempo. Inter Miami has a new head coach and prospects of a better future, but the team has also made some unwanted history and the playoff outlook is grim after yet another defeat. Hello and hola to everyone y todos. Welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to Inter Miami focused podcast that has been listened to in 50 countries and counting. It is here where the beautiful game collides with passion and analysis as we provide you with all the latest team news opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. My name is Franco Penizo, one of your three usual co-hosts. That three is likely turning to four now after the introduction of a possible new resident Englishman in Simon Evans. If you missed last week's show, make sure to check it out as we introduce the new dynamic to the Miami Total Football Radio setup. But if you did hear the most recent pod, let me know. Let us know. What did you think of Simon's debut? Think he has what it takes to fill the legendary shoes of El Primo Steve Brenner? Or is that Mission Impossible? Let us know on our Twitter uh, handle or on all our social media platforms, which includes YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and which you should go and follow if you are not already. That aside... Joining me on this week's show is Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose. Originally and initially, we had planned to have both of the Catrachos, both of the Hondurans, the two other opinionated veterans of this podcast, on this week's show. But Mother Nature had other plans and postponed the recording. So it's just Jose and I. Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita, she will be back soon, but she is sidelined for this one. Jose, how are you doing today? It's late on a Wednesday, later than usual for us when we're recording. I'm sure you're tired after a long day and few days of covering the Gold Cup, but alas, how are things going for you? It's going all right. I mean, Gold Cup only happens, you know, once every two years, so you know, you know the trail. <laughs> But um, it's tiring. But yeah, I'm happy to be back. I feel like it's been a while since I've been in the pod. But um, but yeah, I think it's good timing. Exciting things happening right now. Not well, on the field, of course. But yeah, <laughs> exciting things. A lot of things happening with regards to Intermind. Yes, they did play a game. And yes, they will play another game this weekend. But there's a new head coach in town in Gerardo Tata Martino. So we will, of course, talk about that. What that means for Inter-Miami. What we might see. In terms of a style of play in the short, medium, and long term, we'll also talk about what are realistic expectations for him for this season. Because, Jose and I, we've done this exercise before here on Miami Total Football Radio. Nosotros hemos sacado las calculadoras. We have taken out the calculators before to do the math and project whether we think Inter-Miami can make the playoffs or if they will make the playoffs. So we'll do that on... This pod, because we're past the halfway point of the season, so I think it's a, it's a good time to do it. We'll, of course, talk about Franco Negri's season-ending injury, another unfortunate blow for the South Florida side, as well as, of course, do the Q&A session and our final thoughts at the very, very end. So, Jose, we've got a lot to discuss. It's late, so let's get to it. 
All right, Jose. So let's start with the biggest news of the week thus far. And that was the announcement, finally, on Wednesday from Inter-Miami that they have hired Gerardo Tata Martino as the new head coach of the organization. Now, he will be officially the third head coach in franchise history following Diego Alonso and Phil Neville. I guess you could say fourth overall if you want to count Javi Morales as the interim coach. Nonetheless, Tata Martino will lead the way for Inter-Miami for the foreseeable future. Now, there were no terms of his contract in the announcement, but he will be coaching in the near future. Probably not this weekend against Austin FC as he still awaits the completion of his paperwork, visa, and such. But nonetheless, again, Tata Martino is officially Inter-Miami's head coach, something we had figured was in the cards for several weeks now. Probably from the moment Phil Neville was let go, right? So, Jose, just your initial thoughts on, I guess, not so surprising news, but official news. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good that it's official now. I think we we, we all uh, have been waiting for this announcement. Uh, I think the minute we heard Chris Anderson, you know, talk about Javi Morales and how it was like a really short-term situation, I think we were talking that day in that presser, and um, we all came to the conclusion that, you know, uh, things will will work out really fast and um and and yeah i i thought actually you know they had um an opportunity to bring a new coach like right after the the fifa window in june but i think this is the right decision you know just wait for a little bit longer um let him watch a couple games more and um you know it's it's gonna be a quick turnaround once messi gets here but i think overall it's good news it's good to have a, a Tata ready to go here halfway through the season. He'll gonna have he, he'll have the rest of the year to work with. Um and, and honestly the first year where, you know, we can actually judge Tata Martino will be twenty twenty four. Right, because as far as twenty twenty three goes, and you know, he, he touched on this in an interview he did with the Miami Herald. He's he's he shared some quotes so far, some with Inter Miami's channels, one with uh uh an interview he did with Michelle Kaufman, our friend at the Miami Herald and our colleague. And he said it's hard to, and I'm paraphrasing, it's hard to really assess the roster right now because they're decimated by injuries. They're decimated right now by absences due to the international, or not the international, but the, the Gold Cup. So really hard to to really fully assess and analyze everything. He said, you know, maybe in a month's time they'll be able to analyze things a bit better. But that's what I expect of him over this next week or so uh, as the run-up to Messi's arrival um, gets closer or continues is that he will be looking at players in training. He'll be watching them in games to really figure out who fits and who doesn't fit. I'm sure he has an idea, but you can have an idea from just watching games from the TV. It's different to perceive it up close and personal. It's different to see... You know how players train, so I'm sure he'll be taking it all in. I imagine that's you know at the forefront of the coaching game plan uh, for him and his staff as they get settled here over the coming weeks. By the way, it was reported that his son will be part of that staff, that technical staff. So interesting wrinkle there. Uh, you know, you can probably criticize it a little bit because it it continues that. 
that trend of Inter-Miami family ties being there and, you know, you had the shouts of nepotism again, um, which hasn't been something foreign to Inter-Miami. But, look, if if that's a concession you have to make to get Tata Martino, then I'm okay with that in this scenario and I'm okay with that overall because, I mean, Tata Martino's probably the best candidate that you could have had at this point, right? He was available on a free... Uh, he's coached in MLS before, he has international experience, he's coached at the highest levels, he's coached Messi, he's coached Pizarro, he's coached Joseph Martinez. Now, he's coached a few of these players already, he knows the league, but he also has uh, a proven track record of winning um, at higher levels as well as in MLS. So uh, is this as good as it was going to get for Inter-Miami? Jose, very simple, I think, yes or no? Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean... You could have done, you know, looking for a bigger name, but then, you know, it's you, you need more time. And he doesn't need a lot of time to get familiar with the league or the players or the style that he wants for this team. He already knows, you know, how to how to have success in MLS. And um, I, I think he's going to try to do exactly the same that he did uh, for Atlanta United. And, um, well, whether it happens or not, you know, that remains to be seen. But but he, he knows the way. He knows the way to winning in MLS. And he said that in his interview with the team's channels or the Twitter, Inter Miami's Twitter, where he says, it's not a league que desconocemos. So it's not a league that we don't know, right? It's a league that he's familiar with. It's not something completely foreign to him or, or a whole new concept. You know, he knows about the travel. He knows about the day-to-day uh, of course, the league has changed a bit since he was last here with Atlanta United, winning an MLS not Cup. Much, but not I mean, much, right? But not much. Correct, yeah. correct, correct. Um, so by and large, it's it's mostly the same. Um, obviously, he's working under new ownership, uh, a new sporting director. He's going to have Messi on the roster, so that's a big change. Um, so it'll be a different challenge, but in a league that, again, he is familiar with. So, again... You know, with foreign coaches, you know, Phil Neville is probably the latest example of many foreign coaches that have some name recognition, even coaches, you know, who have accomplished more than Phil Neville had. They come to MLS and they often struggle just because of all the different complexities that Major League Soccer has to offer. But Tata Martino checks off that box. He already knows that. He already understands that. And then he's got all the other credentials uh, winning at higher levels. So, yes, this is as good as it could get for Inter-Miami, um, especially with Messi coming on board. You needed a coach in that locker room that Messi was going to respect and you know, say, all right, I can learn something from him. I understand what he's saying. You know, If you had brought in somebody who was a relative unknown, would Messi really buy in? I mean, I think that's, that's one of the biggest questions that Chris Henderson, Jorge Mas, Jose Mas, David Beckham had to really assess there. It's one of the things they, they probably was one of the first items that they d- discussed and, and figured was important. They needed a coach that would command respect across all players in that locker room. And I think Data Martino will be able to do that. Not just because of his name, again, his accomplishments, uh, as well as his coaching style and pedigree. I mean... He's coached at Barcelona. He's coached Argentina's Argentina's national team um, in finals. I mean, you know, he, he's he's someone who knows his stuff, and that is, I mean, that bodes really well for Inter Miami, right? Because I, I think longer term, there's a, there's a there's a good chance that this team turns the page from 
the funk that it's in right now. You touched on 2024 being the year that we really get to assess Tata. I think we'll be able to assess them a little bit here in terms of this season, in terms of you know the initial uh, blueprint of what he wants. Obviously, it's going to take time to bring in more more players that fit his his vision and his style. Get rid of some players that maybe don't. So I do think we'll see some glimpses of, of what he wants. But I agree with you fully that 2024 is the year that we'll really, really be able to judge him based on his performances and based on the sorry the team performances and based on you know his coaching uh, style and, and how the team goes about getting results. I think 2024, I agree with you wholeheartedly, is, is the year. I think this year, it's more about just building for next year. It's now yeah. um, just the brick, the foundation for... What is to come? Something, listen, to your credit, you know, you've always said that since the beginning of the year that this year, Inter Miami didn't care about this year, that they were thinking about 2024 and beyond. Now, I don't know if I always agreed with that, and I still stick with that, but I think at this point now, here in the summer, I think, look, they're going to try to make the playoffs, they're going to try to win the Open Cup and, and try to have some semblance of success here in 2023, but I'm with you that I think the bigger picture is 2024 and beyond. And that's that's the that's going to be the biggest challenge for for Tata because you know it, it's hard to ask a team that you know it, it's that that you know has uh, Lionel Messi it, it's going to be hard for to, uh, for for people to look at Inter Miami and have patience. You know, they they people will will be demanding results and it's going to be practically impossible to do it early on and we're already you know thinking about Messi's debut in late July so there's not a lot of time to turn things around as well and then you add the injuries which you know Inter Miami they need a whole bunch of points before Messi gets here to even have an opportunity at the playoffs a realistic one so you know it's 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 that's to me is going to be the biggest challenge I think you know uh, Tata Martino he needs to preach patience Patience, patience, at least to the Inter-Miami fan base. You know, it's impossible to control what people think overseas because maybe they don't watch the league or, you know, they're just watching for Messi. Before the fans, for La Familia, the people that go to the stadium, they just need to be patient because it's 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 going to take some time and most likely it will take the rest of the year. And then you have two competitions. You know, one is the Open Cup. You win a game, you're in the final. So I guess, you know, that should be... The way to go, they should go all in in the game against Cincinnati and then League's Cup, which is a tournament that you haven't even started. And yet, you know, maybe there's a chance over there. So I think those two tournaments are something that if you're going to expect something from Inter Miami, it's going to have to come from Open Cup or League's Play. Other than that, I think the league, it's it, it's 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 almost impossible at this point. Hey, 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 hey. Don't get ahead of the program here, Jose. We've got some calculators to whip out later, all right? We got to do some math later on the pod, all right? I know, uh, I don't know if math is your strong suit. I know with Steve it wasn't um, at Primo, but I don't know if it is for you or not. But we do have some math to get to later on the pod that will dissect what the chances are, at least from our perspective. Um, you know, it'll be an exercise that we ask you listeners to, to join in on with us as well from home and see what numbers you get and what you think um, Inter-Miami can do in terms of the playoff push. Uh, I agree. Look, it's it's Open Cup um, or bust. Look, Tata Martino in his interview with Inter Miami's uh, channels again that was posted on Twitter, among other places, I'm sure. He says, you know, it's we're arriving at past the halfway point in the season. 
you know, there's there's a cup competition that we're in the mix for, uh, and then of course, you know, the team's in a situation uh, that's difficult, but that he hopes to end the year in a better way, right? And that would probably mean winning a trophy in the Open Cup and showing promise by making a climb up the standings. If they can make the playoffs, fantastic. You know, he's done his his job tremendously in the half season he'll have been here. But if they can show promise and start picking up wins here and there and just climb that table to at least get within reach and, and make the season less of an eyesore, then I think that will be deemed a, a success in that, you know, two, three months that he'll be here coaching. Um, yeah, I think they need to carry some momentum, you know, even though, you know, it's a long break in MLS. You know, you get eliminated in October, is it? Yeah, October, the end of the regular season, right? So then you have November, December, January, maybe late February to get back to it. But I still think they need to carry some momentum, at least with some of the players. And, you know, for some players in the roster as well, this will be an opportunity to prove that, the, that you know, they belong in the team. And uh, aside from, you know, the big quote-unquote now big names like Pizarro which we know the 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 situation with um with him being having a DP contract which you know pretty much tells you what what's going to happen with him but some other players you know that um Pata might be looking into building a roster and maybe looking for players overseas and uh you know if you have a good performance in the end of the year then he might think twice about bringing somebody else in that position so that's something that's going to be that's going to be important and you know I would say if Tata Martino finds a way to, you know, bring young South American players, he will not only be a good coach for the time Messi is here, but also long term. You know, what he, what he can do for the club in terms of bringing good young players to this team that have already competed at a high level, then I think that's something that can change the team just because, and I, w- I don't want to go too long here, just because uh, my one concern about the whole, the whole Messi situation is, you know, what's going to happen in year three, you know? Once Messi's gone, how are you going to be able to keep it up, you know? Because there's going to be a lot of media attention. Most likely next year, Inter Miami will be a playoff team and one of the top teams in the, in, in the East. But what's going to happen after the next two years, three years? Where do you go from, from Messi? But I don't want to go too, too far ahead. And the other point that I wanted to make, and, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, is what if Inter-Miami is out of the playoff race? Do you play Messi at the end of the season, or do you just let him sit out? No, he has to play. He has to play. Right? He's got to play. out of the playoff race. So what? He has to play. One, one, listen, this is, this is while it's a sport, it's still a business, and Apple TV and... All the partners that are associated with Messi coming to the United States and South Florida and into Miami, they need him to be playing. Adidas needs him to be playing so they can continue to sell the new graphic tees that they've released. Um, Apple needs him to be playing so that they can, uh, you know, promote their uh, channel. You need Messi to be playing to sell tickets at home. You need Messi to be playing to sell tickets on the road. He's got to play. He's got. You're not gonna just bench him. I mean, why would you bench him? He's going to have, what, a four-month vacation? He's going to have an earlier vacation than than, uh, than needed just because they're out of the playoff race? I Listen, he'll, he'll be playing. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Maybe they, they sit about I mean, here or there to, to manage the load, um, the workload, but 
he's gonna look. Play. We were checking. We were checking the schedule the other day in the in the um, at Dry Pink Stadium in the press box, with, with you know people covering the Gold Cup, and uh, the last game of the season is against Charlotte. Am I right? I believe that's correct. That, yeah, that's a road game, on turf, and I get it. You know, tickets are selling at high prices, but. I honestly, if Inter Miami is out of the race, I don't. I just don't see it. Why would you risk Messi, you know, getting injured in the last play? Well, if of you're, the season say, if you're saying over? the last game, Jose, then then okay, then that that's different. If you're saying like the last few weeks of the season because they're out of the playoffs, then well, that's a few weeks. But I'm saying like two, three games. You know that that might be you it's know possible. That's po- you know, that's possible. Saying, he had an injury on Friday. He can play on Saturday. And what are you going to say about that? I mean, how can you prove that he's not hurt? Well, that's you fine. Know? That's I mean, I mean, there's ways to prove it. But anyway, that's fine. That's possible. Like that, that I can see. But not, not like a two month stretch before the off season even begins. Like he, he'll be playing. He'll be playing. He's coming over here to play and to make appearances and do all his stuff. He's not coming here not to play. So uh, maybe that last game on turf. Yeah, sure. That that's when he could be held out from. Again, I think they might manage his workload if they're out of the playoffs. But let's cross that bridge if and when the team gets there. Let's let's right. And and then one more thing, you know, there were reports coming from from Argentina after you know he played at the uh, at the Maxi Rodriguez um, um, last game. Farewell, last farewell game. game. Farewell. That's the word I was looking for, uh, and. Um, there were reports that he was supposed to be here July 16th. Right. If that is the case, and if he's not here next week, I just don't see him playing on the 21st, to be honest. So you have touched the subject that I've thought about a lot over the last couple of days. Right? Because there is a report that he will be presented around 15th or 16th, from what I've heard and whispers, these are not confirmed, these are just whispers, that it's probably not going to be at Dry Pink Stadium, that's probably going to be at a venue of some sort, because obviously stadium can only hold so many people, or, or the, the press conference room in the stadium can only hold so many people, so they need it to be a, a bigger event, a grander event, so what I'm hearing, it's probably going to be at a different venue around those dates. Now, if that does hold true, do we expect them to arrive before then and be in training but not talking is that i mean i guess that's a possibility you know the cameras could yeah. just be out there and recording him and, and he just you know gets familiar with the surroundings settles into to his new life and, and starts training again or maybe he arrives around that time and then starts training if that's the case that raises questions about his availability for july 21st right that raises us questions as to whether you know the tickets that everyone's in the hunt for that everyone's trying to get one or many of maybe it'll be for not right but it's all speculation it's all speculation I, listen even even if he arrives uh the day before he's unveiled if those dates hold true of july 15th or 16th he'll train for a week and i still think he'll play in that game i think he'll play no way. i think he'll play 20 minutes no. 10 minutes. No way. He'll play something. He'll play something. And they've touted it to be... It's not an exhibition game. Brother, you know, they, listen, listen man. Game. Listen. This is United States. This is MLS. It's all about marketing. If you haven't read the Beckham Experiment, you have to read 
the Beckham experiment by the late and great Grant Wall. Well, because David Beckham was, if I'm not mistaken, and I hope my memory uh, still serves me well. I've always felt like I've had good memory, so I hope this serves me well. Listeners, please correct me on Twitter after listening to this if I'm wrong. But I, from what I recall and reading in that book, David Beckham had an ankle injury or a foot injury before what was expected to be his debut. And there was uncertainty whether he would play. But guess what? All the powers that be from other corporations, other partners, they pulled and they tugged and they nagged and they did what they had to do to put pressure to ensure that Beckham played. And Beckham did play in that game. He didn't have, uh, I don't believe he had a starting role. I think it was a cameo off the bench. I could see something like that for Messi. I could see something like that for Messi. It's just Tell you what. there's so there's just so much marketing behind it, Holson. There's no way he yeah. can't play. You know how you know how upset fans would be if they paid three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars for tickets and then for what is supposed to be his debut and then he doesn't play. He ha- he's going to have to play in that game, even if it's, if it's for five minutes and it'll be his Look. debut. They'll be able to say, "Oh, Messi debuted. You were there for Messi's debut, even if he only plays five minutes." But he's playing I'll, in that game, no no matter what, in Tell my opinion. What. Jorge Messi is no David Beckham, you know. They have so much control over everything that's going on with Messi. You know, it's not like Don Garber will come here and talk to Jorge Messi and force him to do something that Don Garber wants him to do. It's just not going to happen that way. You know, I mean, Messi is so much more than David Beckham at this point. You know what it what it will mean to the league moving forward. That's a different conversation. Listen, but right now, if Messi wants to play, he plays. If he doesn't want to, no, play, I don't think it's that simple. That's it. I don't think that's it's that simple. It. I'm sure. Dude, listen, control. There's the a reason, Jose. There's a reason why the game that is expected to be his first game is practically the tournament opener of the League's Cup. Right. There's, right. There's a reason why he's playing a Mexican. You know, opponent. Right? There's a reason for all of this, and in my opinion, right, this is my sensation, not my, not my, not information, my supposition. There's a reason for it all, and that's to get as many eyeballs on this game as possible. If he has two or three training sessions, I think he plays. I, I think he plays. I think he plays. Listen, Beckham, Beckham made his debut injured. Injured. I'll tell you what. In a friendly, in a friendly, Jose, in a friendly. Wasn't even a game that counted for anything. Joseph Martinez is right now to this team compared to Lionel Messi. You know, David Beckham is absolutely nothing, nothing compared to Messi. Messi's a world champion right now. I don't know if just the World Cup. David Beckham at that point, you know, was the prize for MLS, but nobody else was like, I mean, nothing changed in the rest of the world. Because David Beckham came to MLS. It was a huge impact to the league. But the rest of the world didn't change. I mean, Real Madrid continued to be Real Madrid. And, you know, everything moved I mean, that's, on. That's still right? going to be the case here, right? Real Madrid is still going to be Real Madrid. That doesn't change. But look, look, I have it right here. I have it right here. I pulled it up. Beckham's Galaxy debut came against Chelsea in a friendly on July 21st, 2007. He made his first league appearance against DC United a few weeks later after recovering from an injury. That was an injury he carried into that game against Chelsea. Like, under under, under any other normal circumstance, he wouldn't have played against Chelsea. But because it was his debut you, and a I, debut in MLS, he had to play against Chelsea. Because there's too much more. There's so much marketing behind it. 
Jose, I think you're forgetting that this is a business, and I don't think it's that clear cut to say to say Jorge Messi will just be like, all right, well he's not playing because I say so. I'm pretty sure there's probably some contractual obligation that requires him to step on the field, whether it's for so two think, minutes, three minutes, four minutes. You don't think they had an influence in bringing Sergio Busquets and Tata Martino? You don't think that? Do you remember what happened when Gonzalo Higuain came over and just a few weeks later Federico Higuain, you know, was signed by Inter Miami? Absolutely, Jose. Absolutely. If Pipita was able to do that, you don't think Messi is able to move chips around the way he wants? And I'm, no, I, mean, I mean, he doesn't get to just move chips around the way he wants. If, if, if MLS has made it a point that he has to play in that game for at least five minutes, then he's going to play in that game for at least five minutes, Jose, unless he's actually so severely injured that he can't step on the field. If he's able to walk, he's not injured. He's not injured but you know, you're, you're you're risking him by playing him with only anyway, two or three. Jose, Jose, we're, we're we're doing a hypothetical scenario because we don't know yet when he's arriving. So we're just doing a hypothetical scenario. Let's get back to the main talking point, which is uh, of the day, which is Tata Martino. And what can we expect from his style of play? What can we expect from not this and remind me group, but longer term, right? If we take Atlanta United as a as a prototype, can we expect that type of playing style for Inter Miami? Uh, technical style, you know, you touched on him being able to recruit players from South America because of his connections and his network and who he is. Uh, also, having Messi as a as a bargaining chip and and the aura of Lionel Messi and what he can provide to, in terms of being an alluring chip, alluring bargaining chip for for players. I mean, I think Inter Miami in 2024 can be a real problem, and I say that in the best way possible. In 2023, look, I think it's all but done in terms of their regular season fate. The Open Cup is their one chance at you know putting some shine on this season. But 2024, I could see Inter Miami being a contender very quickly if they make the right signings, and those signings come out and and have a seamless transition. Um, you know, Tata Martino his first year with Atlanta, they spent money. They competed, they had some growing pains, but they were a contender that first year. And then they won it his second season. Uh, and they were a team that was very good with the ball. They became a team that was also very good on the counterattack um, during their championship run. You know, they had Miguel Almiron, the Paraguayan international, who's, who's over in the English Premier League now, thanks in part to Tata Martino coaching him. You know, Joseph Martinez... Took the league by storm when he first arrived. You know, a healthy Joseph Martinez. They had uh, Leandro Gonzalez Pires, who technically right now is still an Inter-Miami player, although he's on loan to River Plate. They had a player that I was really, really, uh, I don't want to say keen on, but I really liked his playing style. I liked how he competed. I just, I like what he brought to the table, even though he wasn't the biggest name. And that was Hector Tito Villalba, the, the winger. Thought he was very good. And if that is the type of player that Inter Miami can bring under Tata Martino and with Messi as a bargaining chip to attract players over here, then Inter Miami can be an absolute nightmare for any opposition in 2024. I mean, listen, things are looking, for me, things are looking really, really positive once the new year comes and everyone says, Happy New Year, and it's 2024, which is still six months away from here. But once that happens, I think... You know, it's it's mañana será bonito for Inter Miami, right? The shine or the sun will be shining bright on Inter Miami in 2024. They got to get through this 
uh, rainstorm and these dark clouds that remain here in 2023. But 2024 and beyond, I think there's there's a really big chance at accomplishing very, very big things. But Jose, coach, uh, playing style from the new coach, from the new manager. Yeah, I, what do you expect? Uh, I, what do you expect from a Tata Martino team uh, in 2024 and beyond? I think, you know, there will be a conversation with Messi and, um, you know, that that's going to be critical in terms of... Uh, how this team is going to play moving forward, you know, what what he can do at this point. You know, he needs to make an assessment on the league as well. You know, it's not going to be the player that's going to be running up and down the field. So how do you work around it? How do you help him out? Um, you know, players like Sergio Busquets also, you know, he, he he's going to have some trouble adjusting to the league. So, you know, I think it, it remains to be seen because it's not like that that will, you know, build the roster from scratch. I think there are players that are going to have to stay that are on the roster right now and that they are not DPs. You know, if Messi wants to bring in Jordi Alba as well, then, you know, that's another situation. So, um, I think it's, you know, it's, again, it's 2023. It's it's going to be all fun about, you know, having the first goal, the first game, all the first, get them out of the way in 2023. And then preseason, in 2024 is what I will call the first official year of Inter Miami. Everything that happened before, you know, with Diego Alonso, with Phil Neville, with, uh, you know, Javi Morales and all the sanctions and, uh, you know, dealing with stadium situations, all that. It's in the past. Uh, 2024 is the first year where Inter Miami uh, will, will actually be able to compete. Remember, you know, the first year for this, for this team was also the pandemic year. So, so many things things going the wrong way for Inter Miami. And they've been sanctioned. They were been sanctioned the two seasons since then. So 2024 yeah. is also the first year that they will once again have a full disposal of allocation money, assuming that the rules that exist today are still in place six months from now. They'll have a full uh, arsenal of that money to be able to sign players. And that's why I think, again, in addition to what I said about Tata uh, being able to attract players from um, South America, even from Europe, from you know Inter Miami having its own network and David Beckham and that chip and Messi in that chip, being able to have all that money now, not being hamstrung, uh, not being handcuffed. Again, I think Inter Miami can be a real problem, and I say that in again the best sense of the, of the phrase in 2024. But Jose, you're getting away from the question. What type of playing style do you think Inter Miami will have? Because listen, no, if, if they're bringing Messi and Busquets. Right? No, are... that's what I was trying to explain. That you know, it's it's hard for me to tell right now. You know, it, it will be fully a guessing game because um, I, I think. <laughs> Jose, you make me laugh because one minute ago, or not a minute ago, a few minutes ago, you're saying, "Oh, can he miss out the the last few games of the season if they're already out?" So you're no problem guessing there, but you can't tell me what type of playing style you think we can expect from Tata Martina. Well, that was more like a comment, you know. When you when we come to tactical, I'm serious about it because you know I don't want to give an idea that I don't think it's true. But um, I, I think it's all going to depend on 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 the new guys coming in. I think that's that's the key. I mean, how 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 can I compare Almiron to any player in the Inter Miami roster right now? You know, it's hard to compare those guys. I mean, Joseph Martinez, you know, he he'll play in both teams, and yet he's a different player right now. So I can't expect anything like what he did with Atlanta a few years ago. But if you know Tata's body of work, right? Yeah, but it's not going to be Tata deciding. I mean, it's going to be Messi. Messi will have an input in this game, in this team, you know? 
he's not going to force Messi to play out of position. I mean, as much as we miss Phil Neville, but, you know, he's not going to force Messi to play where he doesn't want to play. He's not going to make him run up and down. You know, so Messi won't be playing have... as a le- won't be playing as a left wing back, is what you're saying. Listen, hold on, hold on, because I, I disagree with you there. I think that if you have Messi and Busquets, right, and you go by Tata's body of work, this team is not going to be a defensive minded team. They're not going to be a team that looks to counterattack. They're going to be a team. It's going to want to be protagonistas. They're going to want to be protagonists. They're going to want to have the ball. I think that's going to be the idea, right? And, and Tata Martino, in the interview that he did again with Inter Miami, he says, again, par- paraphrasing here, they want to have a team that the public, that the fans identify themselves with. Un equipo con cual la gente se siente identificada. But that's obvious. I mean, if you have Messi, you know, you know, you're expected to win. That's why I told you a few minutes ago. But there's so many ways to win, Jose. You can win defensive minded, playing defensive mindedly. But I don't no, think so. Defensive minded. They need Messi to score. You know, it doesn't matter if they win the games. This is a uh, similar to the to the Slatan situation. They might end up winning the games five four, but if Messi scores four of the five goals, so be it. Nobody cares. So you expect Inter Miami to be attack minded. Yes, they will be attacking. Okay. I mean, come on. So of course I, they I'm will. I'm asking you. You're giving, you're giving me non-answers here. They want Messi to shine. They want Messi to score. So that's a given. They will be attacking-minded. But I won't tell you right now what formation they're going to play. I'm not asking and for formation. I'm asking I for a style of play. See, I honestly don't see Busquets being a huge factor on this team. You know? I just don't see it. Don't see it. Hey, listen. I don't, I'm not saying I disagree with you. But I'm saying by the... Two players that are being brought in in Messi and Busquets, which are the start of this new era, I think that that tells you that they're going to look to have technical players that can knock the ball around. Now, in MLS, a league that's very physical, that foreign players constantly talk about the back and forth, the transitional play that often exists, and that Simon Evans last week made a very good point on by saying it's very transitional because teams can't combine consistently and have long passing sequences which leads to transitional play they don't have the quality to do that which is probably a good analysis at least in my opinion but nonetheless nonetheless like i think we'll see a team with technical pieces and you're gonna have to of course have some runners in there you're gonna have to have some players who maybe aren't the best technically but who can put in a lot of the dirty work whether that's in central midfield whether that's out on the wings I mean, you're going to have to have a combination of technical players and physical players or athletic players, right? Maybe not physical, maybe it's not the right word. Uh, in Spanish, maybe. But um, athletic players who can cover a whole lot of ground. Because like you said, Messi's probably not going to cover a whole lot of ground, especially defensively. Busquets, how much ground can he cover? Right? You're going to need to complement them with, sure, some other technical players, but also probably some athletic players whose strengths lie in their ability to run uh, and their ability to cover ground and put in the, the dirty work. So, I, but I, again, the point is that I think, and I think you agree, Inter Miami is going to become an attack-minded team. You know, we've heard that from Inter Miami from the start, from 2020 until now, that they want to be an attack-minded team. They want to, they want to have the ball. They want to dictate the tempo. But we've rarely seen it, right? Diego Alonso 
up and down in terms of his ability to do that. And then Phil Neville, also up and down in his ability to get the team to do that. Um, they were never consistently a team that dictated the tempo. So uh, I think with Tata Martino, there's a real chance. They didn't have Messi, so just to be fair. <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I think we already touched on the realistic expectations for the season. Uh, I think you agree with me again. It's Open Cup or bust there. Try to win that competition and then just try to finish as high as you can in the table in the East in the regular season. If you can make the playoffs, fantastic. But otherwise, you know, as long as you show progress and steps that you're heading in the right direction, then I think that that's, that's good enough to to live up to, I won't say the expectations, but to start to show some promise that you're going in the right direction to live up to those expectations. Pulse it. Now we get to do the exercise. I hope you have your calculator ready. Because Sasha Kleshton, the former U.S. Men's National Team player, the former uh, MLS player, the player who went abroad and had a, had a nice career in Europe as well. He is now a TV analyst for Apple and MLS. And on a segment over the last few days, he whipped out a whiteboard and did some number crunching. Sacó su calculadora, as we say in Spanish. Hizo la matemática. So he whipped out his calculator and he did the math. A common phrase, at least in parts of South America. I don't know if in Honduras they do that, but... Oh, um, we're experts on that. Huh? We're experts on that. Come okay, on. so okay, okay. So you guys do it as well. All right, just making sure. Just checking. Just checking. So it, it is a common we're, we're thing. Doing it right now. We're doing it right now in the Gold Cup. <laughs> <laughs> already? Already? You only lost one game. Um, although... Second game and we're already adding up. <laughs> You're already doing the math. Um, wait, listen, it's a fun, I honestly think it's a fun exercise. It usually happens, of course, more so for teams that are struggling than teams that are winning. Although it can also be done for teams that are winning in terms of trying to calculate, all right, do you need X amount more points out of these X amount more games to win the title or whatever the case is. But nonetheless, it's usually done more so for teams that are struggling, uh, like Inter Miami and like your beloved Honduras. Sorry, Catrachos. Sorry, Catracho listeners. Uh, but look, Inter Miami is 18 games into the 2023 regular season. That's one past the halfway point. They are five wins, zero draws, and 13 losses in terms of the record. 17 goals scored, 28 goals against. They are currently on 15 points, 11 shy of ninth place DC United, which sits in that final playoff position in what is a very flattering and kind postseason setup by MLS. Nine teams out of 15 make the playoffs. Inter-Miami is 11 points shy as of right now. They've got some room to make up there, Jose. That is at least, at least four wins. It's a healthy amount of room to make up. Whipping out your calculator, doing the number crunching, in the remaining 16 games, what would Inter Miami need to get there? I can help you if you'd like by looking at recent history. You know, you look at 2022. Charlotte FC finished in ninth place. They didn't make the playoffs because the playoff format wasn't that extended. But ninth place team in the Eastern Conference last year finished on 42 points. Okay, 
Jot that down. Forty-two points. Twenty twenty-one, the ninth place team, the Columbus Crew, finished with forty-seven points. So more than Charlotte did last year. We'll skip over twenty twenty because that was the COVID hit year and the season was reduced. So that's like an outlier. Ninth place team finished with twenty-six points um, in a shortened season. Not as many games were played. So. We'll take that out of the equation. Let's go back one more year. 2019. The ninth place team in another 34 game regular season was CF Montreal. And they finished with 41 points. Right? Those are three full seasons. And the ninth place team finished with 42, 47, and 41. With me so far? Yes. All right. You divide that. By three to get the average, forty-three point three points. Which of course there's no point three points, so let's just round down. Inter Miami will need, based on recent history, at least forty-three points to make the postseason, and they have fifteen right now. I mean, does the math add up, Jose? Can Inter Miami reach 43 points? Messi is coming. Messi and friends are coming. But is it going to be too little too late based on your calculator? Yeah, I think it will. I think it will unless, you know, something happens in the next few weeks. I don't think it needs to happen, you know, after Messi arrives. I think, you know, the team right now, they need to find a way to win games to 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 have a a very slim chance at the playoffs. And, you know, honestly, the opportunity is right now. And, and obviously they have a lot of injuries. So, you know, it's, it's hard to see this team winning, but they have back-to-back home games. Unfortunately for Inter Miami, they are within four days. You know, they'll play on Saturday against Austin and then on Tuesday against Columbus. Those are two very important games. If you're if you're if you're still hoping for playoffs this year, they really have to win those two games. If they don't win those two games, and then they have to go on the road against DCU, St. Louis, then you know I just don't see it. I don't don't don't, don't see it. Give give me some if, math though, brother. I want some math. If listen, if they need forty three points, right? I mean, and they right now have fifteen. They need 28 points from their remaining 16 matches. All right, let, let's Wh- add which, it up. Which is doable, right? 20, you know, you could get 28 points from 16 matches, right? How many points are at play from those 16 matches? Times that by three, 48 points. Yeah. So they have to get 28 points out of 48 available based on recent history. Unless some something wild happens with the Eastern Conference and... You know the numbers are, are all end up skewed or in a different direction. And by the way, this is professional sports. It is unpredictable, but you can base trends off of recent numbers. We can call this advanced analytics. Miami Total Football Radios Advanced Analytics. Twenty eight points out of forty eight available is not impossible. But Messi won't be around for all those all those available points to compete for. Once you look at schedule then you start thinking, okay, where can I find those points? <laughs> well, where- I, think, I think first you have to take into consideration the, the state of the team. They're on a seven-game losing streak, longest in franchise history. 
and injury after injury. They're piling up. Messi and co. aren't here yet. Tata Martino won't be on the sidelines this week unless his paperwork comes in overnight delivery. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's still going to be this limping, hurting, limited team for at least the next game or two. Let's add it up real quick here and see how it goes. All right. Austin and Columbus, how many points do you think they get? I say one. One. So the... DC United on the road. I, I think the they, they don't get any points there. St. Louis on the road. They don't get any points there. That's July 15th. That should be the last MLS game with without Messi. Then they go back to MLS play August 20th against Charlotte. Uh, I don't see them getting any points there because, you know, on August 23rd, they will be playing the they will play an open cup against Cincinnati, so they will be going all in for the, for the open cup. I mean, it makes no sense. So, how many games do we have left at that point? <laughs> so I'll say this: I'll say this <laughs> before you get too far. Before you get too far, I'll say no. I wouldn't go that far because it's pretty simple. They'll be eliminated by that point. I'd give them three points during this next stretch of four games. I think somewhere along the way they'll get three or four. I think they'll win one. You know, it's MLS is still a league of parity, and yes, Inter Miami is in a bad way right now. They're in a dark hole, but I think they'll win one. I don't know which one. I just can't see them losing. What would that be? Eight, nine, ten, eleven games in a row. I think they'll win one, just based on how how MLS is. You know, they'll they'll, they'll pull off an upset, or they'll pull out three points in one of those games in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but I agree with you that the math just. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Now, maybe some Inter-Miami fans out there, some listeners, they'll do the math and their calculations will be completely different. And maybe there is a way into the playoffs. From our vantage point, you can call us negative Nancy's. You can call us uh, Debbie Downers. Whatever you want. Pessimistic Panizo, if you'd like. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have one for you, Jose. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I, I just don't think the, the math adds up. I, I agree with you that I think it's it's a very tall task. I mean, the only real and, chance they have to make the playoffs is if they go on a run during this next stretch of games without Messi. They would have to get they need to. six, nine points, something like that, to have a chance. To have a chance with Messi once he's here with friends, once he's here with Tata. And I think that that's, even then, it's going to be a tall a tall order after that. So I would say no playoffs. You say no playoffs. No. And, and then again, remember that every road game, every road game is going to be completely different from <laughs> right. the moment Messi arrives. You know, everybody's going to want to win against Messi. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not only going to be the excitement uh, on the stands of all the fans coming in, but there's also going to be an element where you're on the field, you're playing against Messi, you know people are watching, I'm going to play at my highest level. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it all out there so it's it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough and there are only so many things that Inter Miami can do and um, you know we talk about Messi's arrival but Busquets and the other players that will be coming in their arrival as well is also very important are they all gonna come together for how long are they going to train can you put you know three four five players into the starting lineup in a matter of days 
and be effective. I mean, those are all things that are going to be ongoing in late July and early August. Can they so, avoid injury? You know, yeah, and, and it's it is going to be hard for, you know, at least for me, it's going to be hard to expect that team to, to be successful so quickly. So that's why I told you, I think the name of the game for Inter-Miami, the fans, coaching staff, and players, is patience. You know, you, you, you waited for, for so long to have a good team, to be competitive, um, to, to get rid of all the bad things that have been going around this team. Well, just wait six months more, 2024, you'll have the team that you've been waiting for. We, so we sound very pessimistic, but I think we're just being realistic based on, you know, what we, we're seeing and the actual reality of the team right now. I mean, yeah. I think you'd have to be either a visionary or a diehard Inter-Miami fan to say you would bet money, hard money, like real, like, good money on them making the playoffs. Because yeah. that's not a bet I would take. I would not but, bet my house on Inter-Miami making the no. playoffs this year. No, no, but but listen, it's still got to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. You'll get all the attention, you'll get to watch Messi, even if he struggles early, you'll get to watch him play every <laughs> weekend wearing your jersey of your team. I mean, it doesn't get any better than they that. They can play you know? the role so, of playoff spoiler for other teams, which is not as fun as being in the mix, but it's a different type of fun, right? It's a different yeah. type of fun. You know what, this, this reminds me, the the last uh, season for Dwayne Wade in the Miami Heat, you know, they they were fighting for the playoffs until the end, but then you know the last two games was all about D Wade and celebrating him and his career. Well, I think it's gonna be similar in a sense here, where okay, you're gonna make a push for the playoffs, you're gonna try, you're gonna obviously fail because you know at this point it's nobody's fault, but you know, but the team has been going through in the last few months. So be it, not going to make the playoffs, but still, let's celebrate Messi. Messi's here. We'll be ready to go next year. And that's going to be the theme. It's still going to be fun. But, you know, if you're expecting titles this year, look at August 23rd against Cincinnati. If, if you don't win that game, then, you know, it's all about Messi and having him here. Okay. So we've said what we think for the rest of the season. So now let's quickly rewind before we look ahead in terms of the recent and short term. Uh, so Inter Miami recently played against the Philadelphia Union away at Subaru Park in Chester, Pennsylvania this past Saturday. Inter Miami lost the game 4-1 to to set a new franchise record for consecutive losses. And again, that mark is now at seven consecutive defeats. Inter Miami was down 3-0 to in the first half in this one. Goals from Jacob Glesnes, Julian Carranza, Leon Flack. All came before Robert Taylor pulled one back in the 50th minute. He made it 3-1 early in the second half. Gave it to Miami some hope at a potential comeback. But then a David Ruiz own goal in the 68th all but sealed the result. 4-1 final score. This was Inter Miami's starting lineup. You had them come out in a 5-2-2-1 formation. And that... Formation consisted of Drake Callender and goal. Robert Taylor is the right wing back. The three center backs from right to left. Ian Frey, Christopher McVeigh, and Noah Allen. Your left wing back, Franco Negri, who we will talk about in a little bit here. First line of the midfield was David Ruiz and the returning Dixon Arroyo. 
Ahead of them as the joint 10-8s were Benjamin Kremaski and Rodolfo Pizarro. Up top by himself, Joseph Martinez. Jose, we don't need to spend too much time on this game. Uh, although there, you know, there's there's bits and pieces that could be dissected in a little bit more detail. We'll of course talk about Negri's injury, but just quickly, your overall thoughts after this record-setting defeat. Why is Campana not playing? That's my that's my thing. I agree. I think that that's a question that needs to be asked, and I wanted to ask it in the post-game press conference. I didn't get a second chance at it, a second go in the press conference to ask, but that was what I had ready for Javier Morales. Like, why does he continue to turn to Joseph Martinez? And let's be fair to Joseph Martinez. Inter Miami's not losing these games because of him, right? It's not just one player's fault that Inter Miami's losing these games, especially a game like this that was so lopsided. But I'm not seeing a whole lot that he's giving you up top. So I agree with you that why are we not seeing Campana from the start? Like, what is it in Joseph Martinez that... Javi Morales and the current coaching staff see to rate him above Campana. I'm with you 100% on that. 100%. Yeah, and the, the FIFA window is not an excuse because he did start the first game, but he, I don't think he started the second one. And then Joseph as well was away for, for the FIFA window. So I, I, I don't know why he's not starting. But, you know, I think this, this game particularly to me comes down to you know, remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about David Ruiz and Kermashi and we thought, well, you know, they're going to they're gonna go through ups and downs in the season. You know, they're too young. They're still learning. You know, they're, they're, they're going to commit mistakes. Well, I think it comes down to that. You know, you had too many young players on the field, uh, mistakes at the wrong time. And, um, and, and yeah, and Philly capitalized. I mean, if I, I, I think very few people expected Miami to win the game against Philly. I mean, best case scenario, get a, a draw out of it. But you know, with the roster they had, they started in eleven. I mean, it, it was it, it was pretty obvious that Philly will dominate that game. Yeah, it it, it was always going to be a mountain climb for Inter Miami to win. Right, that, getting something out of it would have been a major positive. Just getting a draw, uh, but they were blown out. They. They were second best, and they had their moments, and you can point to the stats and say they had 70% possession of the ball compared to Philadelphia's 30, but Philadelphia isn't a team that really prizes possession. They don't care if you have the ball. And in this game, good example, they won 4-1. to I know Javi Morales after the game pointed to defensive mistakes and being weak defensively. I don't fully agree with that. I think they need to do more with the ball, and I think if you look at the season numbers, it's in the attack where they've struggled more than in the defense. That's not to say the defense is blameless. But look, I mean, look at your back line. And, and this is something Simon Evans and I uh, missed last week, you know, because we, we hadn't gone to practice yet. So we didn't know Dixon Arroyo was on the cusp of returning and available again. Um, so, you know, he helped bring in some more defensive bite to that first line of the midfield and some more experience. But we also didn't mention and take into account that Kamar Miller was on his way out of Inter-Miami camp to head to Canada with the Gold Cup. So that back five was missing DeAndre Yedlin and ended up missing Sergei Kristoff, who was dealing with visa um, issues, according to team spokespeople. And it was missing Kamal Miller, who was on his way to be with Canada for the Gold Cup. So you had a back five, right? They try to they try to patch it up and put five back there. 
of Robert Taylor and Franco Negri as your wingbacks. And then your three central defenders, Ian Frey, Christopher McVeigh, and Noah Allen, who, I mean, I think in his younger career, played center back, like in at youth levels. But at the professional level, Noah Allen should not be playing center back. Doesn't he, doesn't, he doesn't have the profile. He's he's a smaller player. Like, and I get that they're very, very limited in what they can do. But that, that just shows you if Noah Allen's playing center back in a game for points, that shows you the situation Inter Miami's in. That's how badly they're reeling right now in terms of available yeah. players. Because Noah Allen should not be playing center back. I don't think he did poorly, yeah, all things considered, for, for playing his first professional game as a center back. You know, he didn't have any bloopers like Christopher McVeigh had. And that and that blooper from Christopher McVeigh where he allows the ball to bounce over him or he miscalculates it and then it gets it ends up in a goal. I mean, that made the, the, the rounds in South America. And this is something, Jose, we've discussed, something I discussed with Simon last week. The attention and the spotlight is going to be bigger than ever on Inter-Miami. And mistakes like that, that, that's no longer going to be just like, oh, well, it was a mistake in an MLS game. Now it's going to be making headlines internationally. And I saw, and I call it a blooper, because in an article I saw in South America, it said, blooper de defensor de compañero, futuro compañero de Messi. So look at this blooper from one of Messi's future teammates. Like, it was having, I won't say a go, but it was highlighting the very big error that Christopher McVeigh made. So, and I think that's going to be across the board. Good, bad, ugly. The spotlight is going to be big on Inter Miami and every game and every play um, for better or for worse. So, uh, I think there's a little, there's a few other points we can talk about from this game before we get to obviously possibly the other biggest talking point. But that's that Harvey Neville returned to, to the mix, came off the bench in this one. Robbie Robinson came off the bench for the first time in a year, sorry, or he came off the bench to make his first appearance in over a year. And Israel Boatwright made his MLS debut. He was on a short-term loan from Inter Miami 2, but he came off the bench in this one and made his debut for the first team and in the MLS. So some notable things to, to talk about there, as well as, of course, uh, Joseph Martinez starting over Leo Campana. But Jose, very quickly... We have to talk about the latest injury to a team full of wounded players. And that's Franco Negri, who in attempting to anticipate a kick on goal, a shot on goal, from Julian Carranza, the former Inter-Miami striker, he gets to the position first, and Carranza, not expecting anyone to beat him to that spot, follows through and kicks Negri. And you could see from Negri's reaction instantly that it looked bad and that it was bad. He looked as in as much pain as Quarantine Coco John did a week before against the New England Revolution. It looked that bad and it has been confirmed. It's an ACL injury. He will undergo surgery. He's out for the rest of the year. A shame because Negri, although I don't think he was incredible, I think he was one of the better performers for Inter-Miami this season. I mean, for me, Jose, this is a bad team with bad luck because it's injury after injury after injury. I mean, your thoughts, because Negri now joins Coco, he joins Gregory, he joins 
Gene Mota as players with long-term injuries. And they're all, I mean, maybe Coco you could say isn't. But the other three are starters on this team, at least when the season began. Coco was as well, but, you know, his his place started to, to fluctuate. He was in and out of the lineup. The other three were penciled in starters, um, you know, as long as they were healthy. So it's it's a shame for him. It's a shame for Inter-Miami. It's been that type of year. They just can't catch a break. Yeah, just really unfortunate. And, um, you know, Nady was one of the bright spots for this team. And uh, offensively, he, offensively, he did so many things. I think, you know, he did struggle defensively at times. But I think it's more about, you know, the tactical setup that he was exposed and he was given the liberty to move forward first rather than, you know, play defense first and then find the right place, right time to move forward. But regardless, I think, you know, it's it's a very tough situation for the coaching staff and something that, you know, Tata Martino will have to assess who's going to be my left back from now on because, you know, you don't have a lot of choices. Well, of course, if Jordi Alba comes in, then, you know, he's, the, he's your starter. But, you know, um, Harvey, you know, played there at times and then McVeigh is not having a good season at all. And I don't know if you risk it putting him uh, you know, Noah, so I think back. Noah Allen might be might be the go-to guy. Then, then Noah Allen, you know, he's still very young, so you're, you're gonna have to give him an opportunity. It's not like you have a clear-cut, you know, choice. Like if you had Karen Gibbs, let's say, you know, right. in good form, and, you know, Karen Gibbs, that's that's his job now. But you know, it's 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 so unfortunate. I re- I really felt bad for Nagy because you know I I thought he was, you know. Not that the other players didn't do it, but, you know, he came in with the right mindset and, and he was ready to go from the first day. He never heard him complain about the weather or, you know, anything at all. He just went out and played. He likes to play, likes to be out there, and now, unfortunately, he's going to be out for, for quite a while. A competitor, someone who was out there definitely looking to compete. Um, and, you know, he contributed on the attack, did his thing defensively, although, again, there were some issues there as well, but... Again, for every player, I mean, every player has, has maybe except for Drake Callender, um, has had their hot moments and their cold moments. Um, he was a player that probably had a more evenly distributed balance. I mean, other players on the team probably have had more cold than hot. Um, but nonetheless, yes, it's a loss for Inter Miami. Uh, Short term, I think Noah Allen is probably the guy there. I mean, you know, there's somewhere. You know, maybe some thought was like, man, we could have really used Kieran Gibbs right now. But no, I mean, listen, getting his salary off the books was probably part of the bigger picture planning for the eventuality or the possibility of Messi and co coming. So, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, again, team is very, very thin right now across the board. Another player that goes down. So um, unfortunate for Inter-Miami. And we'll see how they cope over the next few games here. In terms of that position, in terms of overall, can they end this losing streak? Can they get out of this hole? Can they get out of this funk? Um, Javi Morales did say when I asked him post game, the only way, you know, when I asked him how do you get out of this this rut, he said, "Con cambios." Essentially, that means with changes. So, I mean, we know there's going to be roster moves in the upcoming days and weeks. Uh, the sooner the better, because this team needs all the help it can get. Clearly. Clearly, um, you know, I don't think it's time to panic. To be honest, I mean, as long as you're good, you have a solid team for August twenty third, and you win against Cincinnati, 
you know, everything else, does it really matter? You know, it, it, it matters a little bit, Jose. I mean, it matters a little bit because I mean, they don't want to be out of the playoff run. I mean, it takes it like we said, they'll be, you know, they'll have to fill the role of playoff spoiler. But is that a role that Lionel Messi's team should be in? Like realistically speaking, I mean. What are you gonna do? I mean, he made the decision to come over here. He, he you of know, of course, of course, but it's not, it's not ideal, Jose. It's not ideal, and the team, you know, would love, of course, to at least be in the mix for as long as possible because it brings that much more attention. If if they're already out of it, yes, Messi's still there. Yes, it'll still be fun if you're a, a football uh, enthusiast and lover and you know, aficionado. But I mean, if your team's out of it, then you know, it does take away some something from that. Does take yeah, away from I mean, it. it's not ideal, but you know, at the end of the day, it's all about watching Messi play. You know, all, all the people are gonna be watching are not into Miami fans, which you know they will be the vast majority now. Um, they're just they just want to watch Messi play, and you know, if you're an Inter Miami fan, you have to know the reality of your team. You know, this is this is not the team right now. This is just another step, part of the process. Again, 2024, that's your year. Okay, so very quickly to look ahead, won't take too much time, but Inter-Miami returns home on Saturday to play Austin FC, a team that's in the Western Conference in 8th place with a 7-win, 4-draw, 8-loss record, 24 goals scored, 27 goals against. Numbers are pretty average overall. However... Austin FC is coming off of a 3-0 win over the Houston Dynamo this past weekend. And prior to that, in the midweek game last week against FC Dallas, they also won by a 3-0 mark. So they're coming into this game with some confidence. Inter-Miami is not. You know, Stefanelli talked this week to media during the first day of availability. And, you know, he tried to put a positive spin on things and how... El fútbol te da revanchas, how soccer gives you rematches all the time because you have a next game all the time. I still see it hard for them to to come out with a win in this one. A draw, possibly, maybe. Hard for me to see them winning this one. Jose, we'll start with lineup. What do you think Inter Miami puts out there in terms of uh, starting 11 with the players that are available? Yeah, this is a this is a tough one. At home. Yeah, at home. I don't think there are a lot of choices. I mean, to be honest, with no Yedlin, no Kamal Miller. Don't know about Sir He's availability, whether he's back or not yet. Yeah, I would say you know it's something similar to what we saw last week. I think you know the cambios that Javi Morales was referring to. We're gonna have to wait a little bit. So, I I would say. You know, no, no. Allen gets gets the start. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be quite similar to to last week. I just I just don't see a way in which you're having Morales. You go out there and change a lot for just a few weeks and and, and create more trouble than what you're in already. So, I I would I would say yes. There's there's there will be changes. But uh, maybe Campana gets the start. But, you know, middle of the field, um, I think Taylor will start. David Ruiz will start. Arroyo will start. And then, you know, maybe you move Noah Allen 
Um, hopefully, uh, Sailor is back. Is he back? Don't know yet. We don't know yet. We don't know about his availability as of right now, Wednesday. We don't know about Kristoff. I mean, if one of them's available, I imagine they start. Um, but if they're not, if Kristoff is back, he starts. If Ryan Sailor is back, then he might start as well. Um, yeah, because you have to move. You have to move um, uh, Noah Allen to to negative spot on the left side. So there's there's not a lot to work with. (laughs) There's not a lot to work with. It's just, and even, you know, what what makes it, you know, hard to predict is the fact that you're going to have to move players, you know, into positions where they might not feel comfortable, just like Noah Allen did it last week. So, um, but but I would think, you know, Campana, Campana needs to start, especially playing at home, you know. If you want to win games... And then again, there's a problem that you'll, you'll be playing again on Tuesday, you know. So at on, some point, on July fourth. Yeah, July fourth. I don't expect that so, game to be very well attended. You don't? I don't think so, man. Well, a, a bad team on a holiday. I mean, people are going to want to be barbecuing out on the beach. I don't. I don't see people, a lot of people going to the stadium. But anyway, I think they should have played the game a little bit earlier. Maybe that would have helped. But. Regardless, I think, you know, lineup is not going to change at all. I think they'll, they'll go with the same lineup, except that Noah Allen will play at the, t- at the on the left side and Christoph uh, will come in the starting 11 if he's available. I mean, I could definitely see that. I'm going to go with the assumption as of what we know today. We don't know about Christoph and we don't know about Sailor, so I won't speculate on them. I mean, if they're one of them is available, I absolutely think they start. Uh, it's tough. Very, very tough. You know what? I could see... I could see... A 4-2-3-1, maybe? And I'm going to actually put a, a prediction out there. Again, on, based off of what we know on Wednesday night. This is what I, I have. And it's obviously with the limited options they have. Calendar and goal. 4-2-3-1. Robert Taylor, Ian Frey, Christopher McVeigh, Noah Allen as your back four. First line of the midfield, I think Dixon Arroyo and David Ruiz... Are you really only options there? That second line, I think Robbie Robinson can get a start after coming off the bench and and showing some things. I don't know if he was great, but uh, Javi Morales seemed to to talk positively about his impact, so maybe Robinson gets a start. Uh, Benjamin Kremaski, Nicolas Stefanelli, and I think Campana up top. I think... I don't know if that's... I don't want to see the best lineup you can put out there, you know, maybe there's room for Pizarro, but I mean, with what they have available and the fact that they're at home, you know, maybe that's not the worst idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe they do stick with the back five, though. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Jose, key to the game. We'll wrap up the first segment after that. What does it remind me have to do well to win this game? Uh, I think they have to score early. I think they need they need to get off to a good start. You know, then, then, you know, they're going to have to play good defense. But if they score early, they have a shot at uh, getting a draw. Other than that, if not, if they, if you know, if they, if they try, if they have to try to come from behind, I think that's going to be a struggle. So they, they need to score first. So, I mean, scoring first or scoring early, different things. You can score first in early, the first half. First. Early. <laughs> early and first. Okay. Um Look, I think the attack has been where the shortcomings are, and I think 
until Messi gets here, it's going to continue to be the case. I think, and maybe this is going to contradict what I just said or what I just put out there as a starting 11, maybe. But I think that they need to just keep a zero at the back for as long as possible to give themselves a chance to get one at the other end. Whether it's off a set piece, ricochet, uh, a penalty kick, handball in the box, whatever. You know, it's maybe a fortuitous bounce, an own goal, whatever it is. As long as you can keep that zero at the back, then you have a chance. Then you have a chance to, to find a way to take it. So for me, it's the defensive side of things. You know, again, I will reiterate, I don't think the defense has been the weak link this season. Even though Javi Morales, you know, kind of ripped the defensive performance. He didn't rip the back line, but just ripped the team's overall collective defensive performance. Um, but I do think in this one, without much firepower, you got to keep the zero at the back to give yourself a chance. So that's it for our first segment. We'll come back for a very quick Q&A and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. a very quick Q&A session because it's late. It's past midnight now here thanks to Mother Nature. So we'll go with something that was a talking point on Wednesday as well. And it's not really a question. It's more of a comment. It's from Tommy, who I believe is a first time... I can't call him an asker because he's not asking a question. He's more of making a statement. But first time he's a participant in our Q&A session, although we're bending the rules here a bit. Tommy says, the whole ticket thing was a fiasco. On top of that, nobody answers the phone for the team. People are still waiting for their codes seven hours later, Franco. So what Tommy is referring to is there was a second pre-sale for season ticket holders for the expected debut of Lionel Messi on July 21st versus Cruz Azul in the League's Cup. That took place on Wednesday. There was a link emailed or there was supposed to be a link emailed to season ticket holders with a unique code so that code could only be used once and it could only be used once per account so you couldn't share the code with anybody else otherwise it wouldn't work for you and that would allow you to buy tickets now for some people from what i've heard it was seamless and smooth and you know they were able to get their tickets for other people it was a bit trickier, a little bit more difficult, but we're also just able to secure tickets. Then there's another segment of people who had an absolute nightmare, who either got codes, but when they got in there, there were so many others trying to get tickets at the same time that every time they try to put tickets in their uh, to-go cart, if you're familiar with that um, shopping term, that they would be taken by the time they try to uh, what do you call it? Not cash out, but um, I guess purchase them. Um, and then there's another segment of people who, like Tommy, didn't even get a link, apparently. So for some people, it went really well. And for some people, it went very, very poorly. And there's all levels in that spectrum of how the experience was. Uh, listen, I get it's not ideal for you, some of you. I 100% understand the frustration 
I think you're going to have to get used to it now with Messi coming. The demand is high. I mean, Inter Miami is adding corner seats. There will be opportunity for more tickets, if I'm not mistaken, but it'll be more to the general public. Of course, there's going to be resales as well. So you'll have your opportunity, although you'll probably have to cough up a prettier penny. But there should be chances. I understand the frustration, but again, demand is very, very high right now. So I think it's just part of our our new reality as people either covering, watching, following, or rooting on Inter-Miami. This is just part of the equation now. Because there's going to be all different types of new people trying to make their way to get a piece of that messy mania, that messy magic. Jose, anything you want to add with regards to that? No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, we all are going to have to adjust to everything. You know, the team will change drastically in the next few weeks. And, you know, it's high demand. And that's what happens when when you have uh, the best player in the world on your team. You know, it's, it's, it's all exciting. And, you know, things will change. I mean, parking was a... Uh, uh, a problem already, and um, now even though the yellow lot is back, we were able to park <laughs> by the way for the Gold Cup. So um, I don't know. It's I, I, the question is: Would you rather have this type of problems, and uh, or or would you rather not have them and not have Messi? I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear, right? I mean, of course, of course. I mean. Obviously, there's people that would be like, well, why can't they play at Hard Rock? But we've already talked about that. Simon and I talked about that last week. There's a lot of reasons for that. Listen to last week's pod and show if you haven't already. Um, Yeah, it's the new reality. It's the new reality. And there's going to be some disappointment in terms of getting tickets at times. But there's also going to be the thrill at times of getting tickets and being in the stadium to see Messi play and, and see arguably the greatest player of all time do what he does and dribble by defenders and score a free kick goal or score a bender to the top corner or a penalty kick, you know, all all the stuff um, that will stay with you. I mean, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. It's just, again, so you're going to have to get used to having some disappointment in terms of not being able to, to get your hands on everything or be a part of everything. It's just part of the new normal. um, As far as inner mind is concerned. All right, Jose, final thoughts. It's late. Give me a quick one. Do you want to talk about yellow lot? You're, you can go for it if you want, or you can give me something Honduras or whatever you want. The floor is yours. Um, can we talk about the team training at eight twenty a.m. and uh, <laughs> driving from from very very far? Speaking of and... frustrations, this is a personal one for you. <laughs> but it's all right. We'll survive. So. No, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I, I want to share some insight on, on Gold Cup for the people that didn't get to go. It was, it was, it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. A lot of Guatemalans last night, or well, on Tuesday, if you're, I don't know when you're listening to this, but on Tuesday, um, you know, a little bit. Don't, don't. I think the, the, the attendance numbers are a little bit misleading. You know, last night they reported. Around thirteen thousand, but clearly there were so much more than that. But you know, just overall the great experience, aside from the rain delays during the preliminary round. So if the Gold Cup comes back in two years, make sure you go and enjoy some of those games. It's it's just different, but it was it was fun. It was a lot of work, and um, and we're gonna get to watch the rest of the way on TV. But yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting. 
So my final thought will be on what you touched on. The yellow lot apparently is back, right? There's been an agreement made between Inter Miami and some of the officials. So it looks like parking will resume as it normally was once Messi's here. So that should help alleviate some stress or some worry um, because obviously that was a big concern uh, for people that had already been attending games and had already seen a bit of the nightmare that was the parking situation when that yellow lot was taken away. It's coming back. It's coming back. So, or it's already back. So that's good news. That's good news. All right, Jose, it's late. We've been talking for a good bit. We'll wrap up the show there. We will be back again next week. I don't think we'll make it before the 4th of July game, so we'll probably return some point after that to dissect the two matches and discuss all the other tidbits around Messi, Mania, and Inter-Miami. So for Jose Armando, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. We will talk to you guys again next week. Have a happy holiday.